Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. The moon is right. The spirit's up. And this is Song versus Song. It is our annual Christmas episode. Are you ready? Are you ready, Lena? Yes. All right. I, I, this one's specifically for you. This is a Beatle versus Beatle matchup. The first one we've ever had. I can't believe it's taken us this long, and I'm not sure this is the right one to be doing it with, but here we go. We are doing Paul, Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time versus John Lennon's Happy Xmas parentheses War is Over. Are you simply having a wonderful Christmas time, Lena? Let me tell you something. As I was getting on this call with you to record this episode, Raven said, mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this episode to be over. <laughs> I said, you know, it will still be the Christmas season. Yeah. And then Raven said, yes, but I won't be hearing these two songs over and over and over and over again. Have you been listening to them over and over again? I had. So I have a theory. I had a plan. My plan was to see if I could get myself into a Stockholm Syndrome situation with one of these two songs. The one mm-hmm. that I have. Uh, I don't know if I've ever gone on, on public record of saying I hate. But I do, I did go in hating one of these songs and I wanted to see if I could get myself to like it via the abuse of hearing it over and over again. Now, see, if this was, that was the goal. (laughs) If this was uh, two, three weeks ago when I announced this uh, episode, I would know which one you're talking about. But now I'm not so sure. Here's what I know. I have heard so many people say that they hate wonderful Christmas time with a deep, inspiring passion. And so that's what I thought I was going to read in the comments. But it turns out this one is a, people have very strong opinions on both of these. uh, And it's not all one way is what I'm surprising. What what I saw also in the comments is a lot of a pox on both your houses. Let me say this. I was not expecting to get so many negative comments. Uh, I was expecting to be more one-sided and for what it's worth, there was also positive comments. There were. Not everyone. But I, I was kind of shocked by this. I did not realize. Here's another thing I didn't realize. How either of these songs go. I don't know if that I've listened to either of them a single uh, way all the way through. Wow. Before I did this comments. Like, I, when people say they hate Wonderful Christmas Time, I, all I'm like is, where are you hearing it? Because I never hear Wonderful Christmas Time. And I s- only sometimes hear a happy uh, Xmas War is over. And... Uh, when I was listening to it, I've never really actually listened to it. If I, if I have listened to it all the way through, I've never actually like actively listened to it. It's just been around in the background. Is Wonderful Christmas Time like an integral part of your Christmas memories? Uh, it's definitely, I think, how, did you work any retail when you were growing up? Not during Christmas. So there it is. I mean, like that's sort of the, to sum it up, I worked a, a lot of retail. And so I would hear this song a lot. I would say I think that this song appeared in stores more often than um, Happy Christmas because, you know, they're trying to sell products, not M War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, war is over if you want it is not exactly the most consumerist of messages. No, although well, we'll get there. I have a, what's interesting is that a lot of my when I was sitting and going through these songs, um, I don't, I have, I mean, I have stuff to say about John and Paul, but um, I wound up having a lot of thoughts about George and Ringo, in fact, especially George, um, because I feel like George summed up a lot of 
thoughts that I've had, especially after kind of going back and forth and listening to these songs and looking at like where they were in time when they came out and, and that sort of thing. I'm pretty sure I thought when they sing the little kids sing war is over on happy Xmas. I'm pretty sure I thought they were saying Hari Krishna over and over again because of, uh, cause of, it sounds a little bit like my sweet Lord, the, the backup vocals. Oh, let me so so this song came out there's a lot of things that are really interesting about about happy christmas but so this is like 1971 happy xmas happy whatever it's it's christmas i i I insist on saying xmas you go nuts (laughs) you say xmas i'll say christmas the two genders now um it came out in 1971 um two years prior in 1969 they'd started this whole like the war, war is, is over. over, putting, you know, they p- put billboards up in different languages across the world. You know, mm-hmm. John and Yoko did the bed in, all that sort of stuff. Right. So they had been doing that for a while. And I guess a little while before the song had come out, or I don't know if, when they'd even worked on it or what the timeline is perfectly, but they'd gone on the D- Cavett show, the two of them, mm-hmm. and, you know, did their, their shtick that they do. And then not long after that, George Harrison came on the show. And Dick Cavett asked about John because, you know, John had been on the show. And yeah. George said, uh, well, he didn't have a chance to plug his latest record, so I thought I'd do it for him. And and Dick Dick's like, oh? And he's like, yes, it's called Happy Christmas War is Over. Get yours now. <laughs> and I thought, like, what? It, it's so cynical when he says it. And then, <laughs> you know, Dick Cavett goes, like, it sounds like there's an undercurrent of animosity. And... <laughs> Uh, George goes, no, no, you know, I just sold him last night, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. he's like, I just wanted, I just wanted to plug his new record. And the thing is that like George Harrison, you know, naturally as one of the four Beatles got asked about the other three a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that George was very pragmatic. He was like the pragmatic Beatle. So I think that he understood that John was selling a product. And the product was this idea of war being over. And as a handy uh, companion, he was also selling himself as the peace guy, right? right? That that also benefited him both personally and professionally. And I don't think that George saw that as evil, but I do think that he saw it as that, a little that, cynical. Well, as an, there is an element of product there. And yeah. I don't think that George was very good at pretending that wasn't true. And that's why I love George Harrison. But, you know, George Harrison also, when when John had died, um, like five or six years after the fact, had had like a big, long interview about it. And mm-hmm. they're like the whoever's interviewing him said about John Lennon, he was no angel. And George's response was, no, he wasn't. But also some of the time he was. And I was like, that's it. Mm. That's it. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of things that, we, you know, you can say about John Lennon. But like I sort of thought that was a perfect encapsulation, you know, if you were trying to sort of just not deal with the complaints that people have about John Lennon so much. Just say that and be like, that kind of covers it. That's you could say that about pretty much anybody. It's ironic. It's a little hip to be anti John Lennon. It is. I mean, I think so. I mean that we all, we all dunked on Gal Gadot and and her imagine thing because she was singing imagine and we're all just kind of sick of that song. And no, I don't think anyone really believes that song is as powerful as we did in 1971. Yeah. And, because, you know, John was, as we say, an imperfect person. It's a lot easier to, uh, if he, you know, call him as like a sanctimonious hypocrite. And that is not something I feel listening to Happy Xmas. And a lot of people do. 
I, you know, my, the, the most cynical side of me, do you remember uh, when we did the last episode, the jump versus jump around, you said mm-hmm. jump is a basketball song and jump around is a football song. Yeah. Um, um, the, the one note that I have on my computer is wonderful Christmas time is the song, the who's down in Whoville sang, and happy Xmas is what the Grinch sings in response. You know, I'm not sure I agree. I, the thing is that like, I think that, you know, John would write about things and be writing about himself. You know, I think in like 1975, they asked him if he regretted writing, how do you sleep? Which was Mm -hmm. a song about Paul. And, and how much he, he sucks, yes. And what he said was, you know, looking back on it, what I realized is that I was criticizing myself. It was really like, I was really attacking me and mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to do that. So I, you know, I, I went for Paul instead. And I also talked a lot about him in reference to the song, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I think that a lot of the frustration that people have is because of the the lyrics to the song where it's like so this is christmas and what have you done <laughs> i i do kind of great at that but, but i but you know what i'll say about that i think that in the same way as how do you sleep i think that it's also john despite all the stuff that he was trying to do publicly you know mm-hmm. again an imperfect person so i think he was i think he was talking to himself as much as anybody else if not more so and, you know, there's a lot of things that were happening in his life at the time. You know, that song begins with it's him and Yoko and she says, happy Christmas, Kyoko. And he says, happy mm-hmm. Christmas, Julian. Do you know, yeah, do, you know should... do you know who Kyoko is? I did not. I've never heard of Kyoko, but it's apparently uh, a kid she had in a previous marriage. So the story is that like right around this time, she was sort of they were going back and forth, her and her ex-husband about you know, who was going to care for the child or like splitting it up and everything. And he disappeared and joined a cult and they couldn't find the child after a while. Like they had gone back and forth in court battles and and, and stuff. And like around here is the time in which they disappeared. And then they spent like a year after this trying to find her child. And it didn't happen until after John died. Like upon his death, Kyoko sent a message to Yoko of sympathy, and that was sort of the slow beginning of them reconnecting. Wow, that's a that's terrifying. Really, it's it's, it's hard. So imagine, you know, like being you're you're like a giant celebrity with you know Beatles money behind you. You can't find your kid. Oh my god! And not only that, but the the very fact that she's linked up with this famous person is part of the reason why uh, her previous spouse had run off because he did not want that child to be any part of this ongoing menagerie of who knows what, because, Mm -hmm. you know, John Lennon is arguably one of the most famous people to ever live. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a thing to think about, which is, yeah, John singing, what have you done? Well, there's this that's happening in the background. Sure. It's about the Vietnam war and war in general, but also you know, these things when you're writing music and lyrics, these things creep in. So I think he is challenging himself. I think that uh, I understand why people get frustrated because they feel attacked. They feel like this hypocrite is telling them that they're not doing enough. But I do think he's also, as a guy who I think was pretty self-involved by all accounts to some extent, um, I think he was singing about himself too. So those are my thoughts about... (laughs) 
that thing. But yeah, like, I do think that he's there is an also an element of him being a little grinchy because he can be. If you've seen how you know, if you see him in interviews, you see how biting he can be. You see the way that he talks down to people. Like he can be very quick with a remark. You, you say it's a grinchy song. It feels like a generous song to me. Like this is a a a song for giving. Let's say for for giving back. And like when you drop you know money into the little you know the Salvation Army bucket or perhaps a more deserving charity. Yes, but but keep in mind that like the, that's the, what the, this the, is the song that would play. I I would imagine this is the song that would play. It feels like you are listening to the song and you want the world to be a better place. And you know maybe it inspires you to make a, someone's day a little better. I what I, I would say to you is this: I it's important to remember that eventually the Grinch's heart grows three sizes. Yeah. And I think that there's an element of that in the song as well, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think there's, what I'm saying is, I think there's a degree of nuance in Happy Christmas, and I don't think there's as much in Wonderful Christmas Time. They are inversions of one another um, in the sense that Happy Christmas has a very simple, well-resolved uh, chord progression that's based on an old folk song, uh, at least to mm-hmm. some degree. And it has a very progressive set of lyrics, whereas Paul, um, if you actually look and see what the what the progression is and the, the instrumentation he uses, it's a little bit weirder. It's a little like not Christmassy at all. It's more progressive mm-hmm. in its presentation. But the lyrics are v- so generic. They're just well, like very boilerplate Christmas. Going back to your Grinch analogy, like I, I, I objected to that at first because – Happy Christmas sounds a lot to me like uh, Christmas time is here, like at least just sonically, musically. It sounds like the song The Who Sing. But I will give you this. What the Grinch imagines The Who singing at the beginning of that Christmas special, he is imagining The Who singing Wonderful Christmas Time. Absolutely. That is what their Christmas sounds like to him. Yes, so, all right. So to get it out of the way, I was I was going into this a wonderful Christmas time hater. I had the, the okay. hateration and the holleration about this song. <laughs> like so many. Like, like so, so many. So many. What about you? Okay, well, Happy Christmas was written right around the same time Imagine blew up. Because he saw John Lennon saw Imagine worked. People really liked his protest lyrics when they were like dressed up in something a little more spiritual, a little happier. So John Lennon is writing that in the wake of probably his biggest success, his most beloved album, his most beloved song. McCartney is writing Wonderful Christmas Time at the end of 1979 in advance of McCartney 2, his most odd fuck around album that he ever made. Yes, a, a, a song and an album that happened after he got arrested in Japan for marijuana possession, where it's a much more serious crime, or it was at the time. Yeah, so that is where McCartney is in his life. He has just discovered synthesizers, and he is just going fucking nuts on that entire album and on this song. And Wonderful Christmas Time, I like I said, I would never actually listened to it all the way through, I don't think because I don't really listen to a lot of Christmas music on purpose. It is the strangest song I have ever heard. The beat is weird. Like it's off. Like the synths are off beat. The chorus has like all sorts of like weird time signature skips. It's 
a very strange song. In the solo, I don't even know what what's going on there. And yet, every you know, this is a beloved holiday classic, and I can absolutely tell why people dislike it. I'm not sure I dislike it, but I'm not sure how this got big. So I can tell you pretty easily why it is that I went in disliking the song and why it is that I liked um, Happy Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I didn't like Wonderful Christmas Time is because a yeah I don't I don't like the the sense, but that's really not the biggest part. It's part of it. Um, really, the big part for me is the um, simply. Having, having wonderful, like that thing, that way that he does it, it drives me crazy. That's the part <laughs> that bothers me the most. I do think, and we'll circle back around to this later um, because I have an illustration, a, a comparison, but mm-hmm. I do think that if he'd used more standard instrumentation, I think that the song would be better. And I think more importantly, if he was a little more straight in the way that he sang the thing, where, where where there's less of that like this weird like almost Bob Dylan thing that he's doing. Mm-hmm. I think if he got rid of that, I think the song would really le- grow in leaps and bounds for me. So that's the reason why ultimately, fundamentally, I came in. You know, I've never heard of, I've never heard anyone say that. I don't know. It's a very sparely recorded song. Like he does sound a little weird on it. I guess it doesn't sound like anything else coming out at the time for or at least anything we'd heard from him. Before then, right, again, right after this, he makes McCartney too, which is like a, just a strange and, oh, I mean, let's say a bad album. It, it sucks. It's a terrible album. I'm sorry. Well, I, all right. I would, as an album, not great. Like if you look overall, I find that um, I don't think that it works as a whole. Like the, the songs don't all piece together into a puzzle that makes me go, man, McCartney too, great album. However, I will say, Temporary Secretary is one of Paul McCartney's best songs in or out of the Beatles. Oh, Lena. It's fantastic. I I love that song, which makes it very weird that I don't like Wonderful Christmas Time. um, I know. Temporary Secretary. Oh, it's so good. Well, I'll say this. You are certainly not alone in that. A lot of people really love Temporary Secretary. I'll say that McCartney 2 is a very interesting bad album. And I will say this, Temporary Secretary is not the worst song on that album by far. That's coming up. The big hit off of it. Oh, I, I like get- coming. Oh, I like coming up. <laughs> All right, boy. Jeez. No, you know, the live version that w- that became a hit was is much better than the version on the <laughs> album. I just like the music uh, video where Linda McCartney's got a mustache. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll say this. In the, in the Wonderful Christmas Time video... Linda and Paul and all of wings. They look like they're having just the most wonderful Christmas time. I would, I would have a Christmas party with wings. Yeah. Too bad. They're not actually in the song. (laughs) No, this is a McCartney solo joint all the way through. Arguably all of McCartney's uh, stuff with wings was a solo album. Well, I mean, they're involved. The thing about McCartney two is just like McCartney one. He, you know, he like went and recorded all himself and and everything's him To, to, to switch gears very quickly. So, Happy Christmas, War is Over. Like I said, it's m- much more traditional. It's got this sort of folky quality. It It is begat from a an actual folky song. And um, mm-hmm. also, um, and this will go someplace in a moment, uh, when I started playing guitar, I was 12 years old. 
And mm-hmm. when you're 12 and you're starting to play an instrument like the guitar, in addition to all the regular stuff that you're dealing with, like, you know, memorizing chords and scales and, and strumming patterns and stuff like that, you're also having to deal with the fact that your body's just, you know, small and not developed. So, you know, you're not just like uh, building up calluses. You're actually just trying to build the strength up of your tiny hands. <laughs> so what I would do uh, is that I would play the A chord. Uh, and I couldn't really switch from one chord to the other easily. So I would just play that and I would just hold down the strings as hard as I could. And I just go like, you know, um, mm-hmm. but that gets boring really fast. So I was like, well, what else can I do? Because I can't change chords. So I would take one finger off, which was the ring finger, and then I would move it around. And so I would go, oh, that sounds good, you know, or like, that sounds good. So I would go, you know, and that was fun. And, and again, it helped build up the strength in my hands. Uh, but also there were two things that were happening at the same time. One, uh, I was teaching myself chords uh, that nobody had taught me. I didn't know what they were, but, you know, one of them's a suspended two, the other's a suspended four of an A. And the other thing is that that's, that's the beginning of Happy Christmas War is Over. You know, it's, it's and so this is Christmas. Yeah. And what have and the rest, you know, like, right. so I'd, I'd, you know, very early on at 12, you know, now nearly three decades ago was learning the beginning of a song that I knew. And that was cool. And it gave me a thing to reach for, yeah. you know, that I could, you know, if I could eventually like actually do like a bar chord because the next thing's a B minor, which is really hard to do with tiny hands. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, that's a thing. Eventually I'm going to get to this destination, which is being able to play this song. And so because of that, I have this very specific attachment to it. And I imagine there's probably a lot of young kids that have certain songs that they like because they're a song that they were able to eventually learn to play and it showed the progress of their work as they were learning to play an instrument. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then also, yeah, it just resolves itself great because it's that, you know, that A, B minor, E back to A, and then it does the same thing again, but starting with D and then it moves again and does that, that G part. And it's just every time it resolves itself really perfectly as a, as a song, as, as the composition of the, that guitar bit, it's so simple, but so effective that it just, it's that math that music sometimes can hit that it just like, it completes itself exactly right. All the equations always are equal on both sides when you're done. And so that's, there's something very uh, satisfying on a mental level that, you know, for me, like if I didn't know to think about it, I wouldn't, but I do know. So like, yeah, it's just, it's like a satisfying listen just as far as the guitar parts concerned. Yeah. As far, as far as composition goes, I think you can pretty, pretty well call that a flawless song. Like, like that's a hook right there. That is like, it just grabs you in right away. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you it's like a perfectly recorded song. I mean, I mean, the yellow and red ones, I'm not so sure about that. That one hasn't aged that, all well, that so well. We weren't talking about the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. The lyrics sure get rough. Uh, they're not great. No song that has Yoko Ono singing on it is going to be called perfect. I'm, I'm not trying to go in on Yoko Ono. I, I'm, she's, I mean, you know, she's interesting. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, as far as like standard pop songs, her voice and her presentation don't really naturally lend. No, it, it, it works on Happy Xmas. I mean, she's holding it back and she's got the kids singing with her. It sounds as good as she 
uh, can sound, I think. It's a good use of your Yoko Ono, probably. Or at least the best I've heard. Like, oh, man, I'm not, I'm I'm trying not to be that guy who goes in on Yoko Ono. Well, there's no reason the to. Yeah. I, I don't think it's really necessary. Like, yes, I think we could acknowledge that her voice yeah. is not the most pop friendly. But, like, yeah. I don't think it has a huge impact on the song. I think, you know, completely uh, out of left field, I suppose, but kind of connected. What's interesting is that. You know, Paul McCartney did do a song that was ostensibly about Christmas that was also an anti-war song much later called Pipes of Peace. Is that a Christmas song? Well, it's I about, guess it is. It's, I guess it's it about, is. Yeah. It's about World War One in that in that moment when when, you yeah. know, they kind of had that temporary truce. Joy, during, joy during Christmas. Noel. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's and that's a, again, the thing about Paul, the reason why I bring that song up is that this John song is very basic and a lot of John's stuff is not super complex um musically no. like it's pretty pretty basic i get the feeling that paul was always the composer of the uh of the two well and that's the thing right so what i ended up realizing that i liked about wonderful christmas time is that it's actually it like he also like he's he's up on if you're if you're playing a guitar you get a capo up to the second fret but like that's still it's still kind of a it's it's in the A family. Like his first couple of chords are him fucking mm-hmm. around A. Like he's doing like an A six and like a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he does like that bit where it's um, how it goes like uh, which is weird. It's like a weird structure that gets him to that. Simply having a wonderful Christmas. It's time. super weird. It is the strangest. It's not the strangest. It's. But it's more weird than you would expect, uh, you know, Paul McCartney's hated, overplayed Christmas song to be. Yeah, musically, it is actually very complex. And I think that that gets lost because of the, you know, what people often refer to as the farty synths. You know, synths were, you know, especially these kind of synths were all your new technology. And I think it's very impressive that he made something recognizably Christmassy out of them. Because, you know, he was pioneering the sound, I guess. He's not, no one calls him a synth pioneer, but he was doing interesting stuff with that, including on Temporary Secretary, which is. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. That's. Yeah, like, there's I, a lot. Where I, is I the Nine Inch people, Nails cover of that song? I get why people do like Temporary Secretary, because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on there. And if just on the grounds of being like, wow, like no one has done this before. I mean, they haven't done it for a reason, but if you say so, I, I'm telling I, you, I really I would say that that, you know, when I'm looking at the songs that I really like. But I I like that Paul is weird. Like you said, he's the composer. Yeah. What that translates to in my mind is that he's doing stuff that other people don't really do. You know, he's he does yeah. sort of take the the path not typically chosen. And that's true of, of Wonderful Christmas Time. It's certainly true of um of temporary secretary, but you know, a lot of my favorite songs of his, like, you know, I told you, I, I love like, uh, Monkberry moon delight and you know, 1985, like these are, you know, kind of mm-hmm. unusual songs. And you, when you were the defender of band on the run was not one of the reasons, the fact that there's a whole bunch of songs in that song. It is. And I, I am impressed with Paul on that ground, by the way, Paul officially becomes the per- first person to show up three times in our episodes, 
We did a Beatles episode, Let It Be versus You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Stones. That's we right. We did uh, Band on the Run versus Mr. Blue Sky. And now here is the first person to show up three times. Uh, John's only been on here twice. And I'm not sure if we can even count him because the Beatles song we did was Let It Be, which yeah, is a it Paul song. Yeah, I mean, like, all you have to go on that is a, is a, is yeah. a, is a clip that they took of his voice from a completely different moment in, in those sessions where he's like, and now Georgie Wargie, whatever it is that he says, you know. And now mm. all the angels sing. Or whatever. That's it. That's, it, that's really John's involvement. Is, it, is that from Get Back? Because I've, I've been, I'm only halfway through that. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> if, if if our audience is anything to go by, uh, the, the January bonus episode is probably going to be about that, but we'll see. Uh, that's uh, the, re- that's we'll the reason see. why we're not talking about it too, too much, um, because I have, I have a sneaking suspicion. Yeah, that's a bonus episodes. We we do bonus episodes for you. We plug it at the end of the show. That's right. Anyway. We're, we're plugging it right now. It costs a dollar. Um, yeah. War is over if you want to get yours now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. So it is interesting to see because, okay, so for me, the the Happy Christmas War is over. The criticisms are seem to be twofold, right? Mm-hmm. One, it's um, him kind of browbeating people and saying, like, what have you done? And the other thing is that he's a hypocrite. That's the other big one. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's, man, you know, that's, that, that stuff doesn't move me anymore. I use, I used to be the guy always gets a little rush guy out of talking shit about John Lennon. I'm, I'm tired. Are you tired of that? So what I would say about it is this, uh, I understand certainly when I first found out, and this is just me, uh, when I first found out, you know, about, uh, the way that he was abusing his kids, that he was abusing women, you know, he had admitted to this too, you know, and the, there was a Playboy interview like right before he died where he basically said that, you know, he hit women because he could, or I mean, that's not a direct quote, but he did dis- discuss the fact that that was a part of his life. You know, when you find that information out, if you're as big a fan as I am, and I'm sure a lot of people were, it feels kind of like a, a betrayal. And even if you're not a huge fan, it's frustrating that somebody so famous you know, had done this type of stuff and got away with it. Not just famous, but famous for being like a good guy. who was like support, you know, peace and love. Right. War is over. The reason that I don't go on attack mode when it comes to John Lennon at this point, and it's particular to right now too, is because, you know, you mentioned the, the, the get back thing, the Peter Jackson um, documentary series about the let it be era. And, you know, when they did the premiere for that, among the attendees was Julian Lennon. And when they asked him at the press what he thought of it, Julian Lennon had said something to the effect of that it was the first time in decades that he was able to love his father again. And oh, jeez. And the, the thing about this yeah. is that, you know, one of the things that had come out was that he had, you know, John had been very unkind to Julian, you know, mm-hmm. in addition to uh, everybody else. And I don't know, man. I look at it and I think the point of calling out abuse is to take power away from the abuser and to give it back to the people who were abused. John Lennon has been dead more years than he's been alive. And Julian Lennon, I think has never been shy about his frustrations about his father's fame and, and, and having to constantly cope with the way that people hold him up as a saint when the reality for Julian was so much different, but he's reached this point where he's able to love his father again. That's a healing moment. And I think, do I really want to go go like, hey, Julian, don't feel better. Your dad's still an abuser. <laughs> That's what it hey, feels like. That, that, hey, that, Jude. 
that's Go what it, feel like shit. Like that's what it's kind of, it is a little bit, you know, and again, like I, you yeah. know, I, people could do whatever they want, but, but for me, I think Yoko seems like she's made peace with it. She seems to still love John. Julian has made peace with it and has publicly said so very recently. So for me, I think I get it. I understand the feelings of hypocrisy, but I would also say, you know, the simple reality is that all people are a mixture of good and bad things. I think that the reason why some people do not like war is over, especially if they're in their 20s and living in the United States, is because that feels like a very hollow message. War is over if you want it. Well, I I imagine that probably a lot of people haven't wanted to be at war for the last 20 years. But here we are. You know, John Lennon was writing that during the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War was very different. We, you know, like... The war that we had post 9-11 is unlike any other war that the United States has ever been in. And I don't really know that there's ever quite been a war like it. So I think that people that grew up and really have, for the most part, only known this, the message war is over if you want it sounds like bullshit. I, I don't know that people do want the end of war anymore. I mean, like we've been at war for 20 years and this is like a very detached war. Like the war is happening to uh, the soldiers, it's not happening to the civilians. So if you're safe here, you're not being touched by it at all versus, you know, Vietnam where everyone knew someone, everyone had someone who, who was fighting over there, even if they weren't fighting over there, everyone knew someone who'd lost someone versus here where it's a, it's a bizarre detached thing where if you're not in the army, you don't know about it. So I, I, I think the directness of war is over if you want it doesn't really hit quite the same when you're, uh, you know, not in the early seventies. Sure. But yeah, I do think for the, I mean, yeah. look, I, 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 I take your I, point. I think, people, I, I think for the, I understand that people, yes, people are, are more able to ignore the fact that there's, yeah. there's a war still going on. But at the same time, I just, I think that there's some part of you that, that is always going to know. And so for me, I think it's, it's very easy to be cynical because what, you know, there's, yeah. the world is not really offered up any alternative, but to feel like, War is over if you want it as a message, being a piece of shit, being a lot of being really dishonest, you know, because with the Vietnam War that there was an element of truth, I think, to it. We didn't mm-hmm. need to be in that war. The America that did not need to be involved. I mean, I'm like I'm not saying anything new about <laughs> Vietnam, but, you know, that the reality is we really could have ended it at any time. And so I think that that makes sense. And I think also, you know. Sometimes you need to have somebody say a big impossible thing so that people have something to strive for. How many people actually think that the human race is going to still be around in the 24th century, let alone be hopping galaxies in starships and making friends with aliens? And yet people still hold Star Trek up as this thing that's like, hey, this is a thing to hope for. A, a time in which there's no money, where there's no poverty, where yeah. there's no disease, where there's no war on earth, you know, that's the thing that people are willing to get behind, but you can't, you know, but like happy Christmas war is over. I mean, like I get it, but at the same time, it's like, isn't it good ultimately, even from a flawed individual? And by the way, everyone's a flawed individual. Um, John, obviously more so than, than a lot of others, but still I think, it's it's good 
I think, ultimately to have a song like that out in the world. But I get the cynicism. You know who was very cynical about this? Paul McCartney. About about Happy Xmas? About all of John's protests uh-huh. and stuff. You know, that's that's why yeah. um, he did Too Many People, which is the, the opening track of Ram, is uh-huh. all about making fun of John and, and saying, like, you know, this this stuff that you're saying is bullshit. You're not actually changing anything, you know. War is over versus wonderful Christmas time. A lot, one of them seems a lot more attainable, let's say. Sure. And I think, and yeah. again, you know, Paul, like George Harrison, is I think in that way a bit of a, a pragmatist because he's not, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't look at that and go, oh yeah, he's not, you know, John Lennon, I do think deep down, I mean, for a guy that said, isn't it always the violent ones that are screaming about peace? And I think he, and in that way he was self-aware, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, he was still that guy. He was, I don't think he was doing it for himself entirely. I do think he honestly wanted that for the world. So do I. And for that matter, I do think Paul McCartney wanted to give people a wonderful Christmas time. Like people get on him for being like the derpy goofball Paul. But, you know, he always struck me as sincere, which is, you know, bizarre. he's a literal billionaire. He's a giant motherfucking rock star. He has been for, since, you know, 1963. And he's always seemed very genuine, that Paul. And so I find it hard to be cynical about Wonderful Christmas Time, which you could also, you know, easily do. I did not come in here expecting to be wanting to defend either of these songs as much as I do, but I really do. I think these are both good songs. I, so I, I I will say again. So my thing about wonderful Christmas time is just, I don't, yeah, the sense, I don't know that they quite work throughout. I do kind of wish that, you know, some people like the sparseness. Uh, I do wish that there was a little more guitar stuff other than that. Do, 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 do. Like that's really it's, all. That's really all there is. Yeah, that, and everything else. I, is I wouldn't have. If if I hadn't watched the video, I'm not sure I would have realized that that was even a guitar. That sounds just like it's so processed. It sounds just like more synth to me. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. yes, it is. It is very processed, and you know, again, like the the chords are pretty interesting. So my, uh, there's so there's a bunch of things. Like I actually sat down because you know sometimes when we do these song versus songs. I like to find out like, oh, can I play those songs? What's it Mm -hmm. like playing those songs? Does that change the way that I perceive the songs? And Wonderful Christmas Time, my perception of the song changed entirely once I sat down and played it on the guitar. Completely different. Because if you you listen to it, it really is not bad. And there are little changes you can make that I think make the song better. Um, So if it's like, so that's like, it goes like this, this is the first note, and then it's... And by the way, I'm so I added a part to that. So like that the that high E because mm-hmm. it really is just like very it's just a couple of A's, but I wanted to add this thing. I was like what sounds Christmassy to me? And the answer was like having the this note where it's like <laughs> I will I will get the word to Paul about how he could have improved. Listen. <laughs> Wonderful Christmas time. Paul McCartney is a regular listener. He's been waiting so long for me to come and tell him, you know, how he could fix this song because obviously it's done so poorly. He's just, he's made no money on it. He was sitting there going like, oh, Lena, when are you going to, you know, when are you going to fix this song for me? 
you know, you know, it's a funny thing. I, I was uh, cruising through um, YouTube seeing uh, who does what kind of versions of a uh, wonderful Christmas time. And uh, I found a, a Hillary Duff version from 2002, which is, you know, towards the, like the Avril Lavigne era of like Disney power punk kind of things. And it's actually pretty decent. And the best cover I found actually was by the shins. The shins. Yes. The shins. Your, your favorite yes. band. <laughs> no, they do a very nice 60 sounding uh, version of, uh, of wonderful Christmas time. It kind of sounds a tiny bit like the beach boys did it. Hmm. So perhaps if, you know, uh, Paul had written wonderful Christmas time at the Beatles height, it would have, uh, it was certainly would have been a very different song seeing as that technology didn't exist yet. The, whatever synthesizer he was using. Yeah. So I, here, I, I probably gonna, would have liked it a little better. I'm going to draw a comparison. You ready? All right. So as some people have pointed out, there are also George and Ringo Christmas songs. In fact, Ringo has an entire Christmas album, but the thing to know is that they're also technically was a Beatles Christmas song. I don't know it. So it doesn't appear on any record traditionally. They did a thing from like 1963 to like 1969 or so, which mm-hmm. was a Christmas record. If you were part of the Beatles fan club, they would send you this Christmas 45, which is like mostly them talking to you about Christmas stuff or just like being silly, being goofy. And like, they're very fun for the most part. Mm -hmm. They're great, especially like anything prior to 1967, which is the year that their manager, Brian Epstein had died. Um, Anything prior to that, you can see like, he kind of like, I think sent them scripts, like, here's what I want you to say. And they would just goof on the scripts and the humor would come out of that. 1967, they do a bunch of weird stuff, and there's a song that's threaded through called Christmas Time is Here Again. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. It's truly terrible. They eventually took it and, like, just took the parts and made it all into one song, and they put it on the single to Free as a Bird so much later. From the, from the, the, the 90s from, Beatles from documentary. The, from the, yes, from the Beatles anthology documentary. So Free as a Bird had as one of its B-sides, as it were, Christmas time is here again. And let me tell you something. That song also does the thing that Wonderful Christmas Time does because it goes, Christmas time is here again. Like that. Over and over and over again. I've been listening to it in the background. Perhaps not the best way to hear it like while we're having a conversation. It's, uh, it's so painful to my ears that that thing that they're doing and like, it's not a great song in general, but that in particular drives me nuts. Now, no, I, like if it didn't appear until the '90s, it, it probably isn't. "Free as a Bird" is also not a very good song. That's that's a whole other topic of conversation. <laughs> um, definitely, "Real Love" is better. Of the two songs they released, the posthumous like demos that they used of John's, the "Real Love" is head and shoulders better. But uh, that being said, fun fact about Ringo's Christmas yeah. album. I, you'll, I read you'll, about ne- it. you'll never guess what's on there. Christmas what? time is here again. Is it a better version of it? The thing is, there's more instruments. There's more to it. I wouldn't call it a good song, but also he's going like, Christmas time is here again. You know, like there's none of that. And once you take that away, again, wouldn't call it a good song, but it doesn't make my ears bleed the way that the the 1967 yeah. version does. And and the thing that really gets me about that is that like truly if you 
if you take that part out of Wonderful Christmas Time, to me it sounds better. It's like where's where's the note? Simply there it is. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Like if you just take the the <laughs> like to me it instantly becomes a better song. Do you have an answer? We to did. which one do I prefer? Yes. Here's the deal. I don't have an answer anymore uh, because I really did Stockholm Syndrome myself into kind of liking Wonderful Christmas Time, whereas I'd hated it all along. I will, uh, when I came in- Your poor spouse, by the way. I, yes. Poor Raven. I, I am sorry, Raven. I will make it up to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I came in thinking Happy Christmas was much better. And I've come out of it really with a mentality, which is that their strengths and weaknesses are the opposite of each other. You know, I think that the, especially because of the yellow and red ones, good grief, like would not call the lyrics. It was 1971. I, oh, I'm not saying that it's not 1971, but I'm saying, you know, Christmas songs are meant to be timeless. This is a very untimeless thing, this lyric. <laughs> yeah, this was, well, I mean, it's about the Vietnam War. It's, I, I know, but the thing is that like, I just don't think there's any way you can, you can duck the fact that it just, it's that part especially sounds so cringy, but you know, again, yeah, I do think that like the, the simpleness of that, that, uh, that guitar line, the chords are great and they resolve themselves beautifully and wonderful Christmas time is complex dun, 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 dun. like that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of obnoxious, dun, dun, dun. But, when, but when you actually sit down and look at the compositional element, it's very interesting. And the lyrics uh, are do have that sort of like fun simpleness to them that actually work, I think. And, you know, and people get to joke that they're, they're doing witchy stuff and then somebody walks in they're like, simply just having a wonderful <laughs> Christmas time. We're not, don't uh, burn us. The moon is right. The moon is up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we killed uh, a calf. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I would go with Happy Xmas too. I think uh, Happy Xmas is about a seven, Wonderful Christmas Time about a six, and uh, I did not work retail during the holidays, so I feel comfortable in saying that. Uh, if my little brother is listening, who uh, did work retail over the holidays for many years, I'm sure if he's listening, he has many different thoughts about this. I am sure. Uh, yeah, I, I will. Here's my my actual answer is. Of the two songs, my version of Wonderful Christmas Time is the best option. <laughs> Check out that Shins version. It's, it's, it's pretty decent. I'm just, you know, I feel like John yeah. and Paul probably both have big egos, and I'm just saying, watch out! <laughs> you know, Miley Cyrus does a pretty decent uh, Happy Xmas. Uh, it's up on uh, YouTube. She does. It's a duet with uh, Sean, Sean Lennon. Lennon. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, it's it's fine. I like Happy Xmas is not a thing you need to do different takes on i don't think no it's i think a, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory that, that one you can do right down the line versus wonderful christmas time almost kind of begs you to do something different with it i mean same thing with temporary secretary i, I found there's a ton of covers of that and they're all pretty cool <laughs> that's a fun song are. to play with i'm telling know, you like if you, there's if there's one takeaway to this if you've never if you've somehow never heard temporary secretary off of mccartney 2 it is a must listen whether you end up loving it or hating it it is, you gotta hear it. Anyway, uh, do you want to do the, the the four questions? Yeah, let's uh, let's do the four questions. Ho ho ho! I've got I've got four questions in in the stocking here for you. All right. Uh, question number one: One of these songs is gonna be lost to time. It's gotta go. Never gonna come back. And one of them 
who gets to stick around for the culture todd which song must stay you know i did not prepare for this question and i don't know the answer to that i don't know like i was just like well which one's the more important one like the, the one with the message right and i'm like i don't know like did it they, they were doing War is Over stuff long before they made this song. Vers- a, I have a really simple answer to this, and perhaps it's too simple. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney is still making music. That's a good answer. John's gone. All we have is the back catalog. Paul's still making stuff. Like, just put out a record. Like, just put out McCartney 3, didn't he? McCartney 3. At like, long last, the, 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 the return of Temporary Secretary. Like the adventures just, continue. Yeah. <laughs> I would be your temporary secretary, Paul McCartney. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I just, I think that's my mentality. And also again, like Paul has pipes of peace. You take away the one Christmas song of John, there's none left. But Paul's got to say, and Paul could make as many Christmas songs as he wants. So from that perspective, I'm going to say happy Christmas. You know, that's a convincing argument to me. Uh, Give that, give that one to you. That's one for happy Xmas. All right. Question number two, you can be a fly on the wall, experience soup to nuts the entire composition, including in the case of one of them, the music mm-hmm. video uh, of one and only one of these two songs. Which song do you want to have the full story on, the full history of it? You know, I'm about halfway through Get Back. I think I'm discovering that I actually don't want to know how anything is made, honestly. I'm, I'm kind of realizing that behind the scenes stuff don't really interest me as much as I thought they did. Interesting. Whereas I watching Paul Wright get back the song mm-hmm. get back to me was riveting. Okay, well what's your answer? Um tough to say. I mean like there's like I, I, I just I think I would be kind of curious to see uh Paul discover his his Christmas gift is that synthesizer, whatever it is. Oh yeah, I guess just, that would like, be true. You get to yeah, you get to watch because to me, like yeah, there's a lot of you know we 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 talked about it. There's all this like hidden sadness around the the Kyoko Kyoko stuff. Um, oh yeah, that'd be heartbreaking. So you know, I don't know if I, I'm that terribly interested in um in watching them put signs up for two years. War is over if you want it, you know, because that also feels like it's part of the song. Whereas yeah, like the idea of like. Paul, Paul McCartney gets a new toy and like, cause the thing, I guess in my perspective, you'd also get to watch him get arrested in Japan. <laughs> right. And he's like, Oh, I got arrested in Japan. You know what I'm going to do? Get a new synthesizer and then play with it. And then like, and then he just goes into his, like into a closet and then play. Like, I do think that that would be absolutely wild to watch Paul McCartney do that. So I think that you've made a good argument there. So I would, I would give the second one to Paul. All right. Question number three. Mm-hmm. A very strange question for this. <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion going to get out of some Christmas grade hot girl shit. Putting on a soundtrack to get herself ready to do it. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Which fucking song is hot, hot, hot girl shit from, from, from henceforth? I mean, obviously, neither of them is exactly hot shit. I feel like Wonderful Christmas Time is not a song for hot people. You know what? I'm going to say this. It's going to happen on occasion. I think the answer is none of the above. Well, obviously, Wonderful Christmas Time is uh, at least a, you know, a fun song, a party song, or at least it's trying to be versus I don't think you can do any kind of shit hot or otherwise for Happy Xmas. Happy Xmas is, is, Happy Xmas is sad girl shit. That's yeah. 
that's that. I don't, you know, I just, yeah, it doesn't really, this is the first, one of the first times that, that this question doesn't really quite fit. And that's, right. o- and that's okay. You know, sometimes, sometimes nothing gets to be hot girl shit. That's how it goes. I bet, I bet if you gave, uh, if you gave one full Christmas time to Megan the Stallion, put a beat under it, she could turn it into hot girl shit. I agree. So, all right, that's, that's as close as we're going to get. So that's two, yeah. that's two to Paul. All right. The, the, the fourth. The most important question, not just of the podcast, but of uh, just of all questions. William Shatner. Man about town, starship captain, been to space fictionally and for really reals. Also a singer. We're going to give it to him. He's going to do a William Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Todd, I put it to you. Which of these songs must be shot upon? I've had to do a lot of thinking about William Shatner as an actor because of you and this question that you forced on <laughs> onto the show. You're welcome. And I feel like if you gave happy Xmas to William Shatner, he would not just sing. It. He would not just speak it. He would emote all over it. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? I think he would go all out on happy Xmas and I think that's what it needs. You are going to get a very angry, angry lecture from William Shatner. It's the version that everybody thinks John Lennon gave. <laughs> there it is. All right. Uh, you know, I think that's right. I think that's right. So we're, we're, we're even Steven, baby. Two, two uh, and two. And, and by the way, this is pretty representative of how things went for a very long time <laughs> during this. Um, uh, you said it, and I said it. We both assumed this was going to be a blowout. And uh, spoiler alert, it is not. All right. We got comments to read before we get to the results. Let's see what people said. Thomas R. writes, Last year was my mom's first time hosting the holiday at her new house. She gave a sentimental speech about friendship and then asked if we'd all join her in singing along to Happy Xmas. She started singing and maybe two or three people awkwardly grumbled through about half of the first verse, and then people just stopped trying. I felt so bad that my mom had to go through the cringe of no one liking the song she loves, but it was really funny to me. So she really had a Gal Gadot kind of experience, did she? <laughs> yeah, it did not transcend. <laughs> Boy, did you pick the wrong one of the two to uh, make people sing along with, although I'm not sure they would have sung along with Wonderful Christmas Time either. Okay. Joe D.L. writes... They practice all year long to sound like that? Ding dong. Ding dong. Actually, I can't remember how it goes. How do they how do they go ding dong? Ding dong, ding dong. Oh boy, the rest of Wings dressed up as like little school kids trying to be carolers. It's a it's an image, all right. It's a strange part of the song. Yes. Brian Tierney writes, Happy Xmas was in a Batman video game trailer, so I'm voting for that. And also because Wonderful Christmas Time sucks. Get yourself Stockholmed. Get the Stockholm Syndrome for this song. Listen to, Nes- the, to listen to Temporary Secretary. I bet the Joker likes Wonderful Christmas Time. Well, we all know <laughs> what song the Joker likes. Oh, what? Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. That's, uh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was I talking about? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Christopher Marsland writes... By the third time I've heard children singing, war is over, I yearn for the sweet release of global nuclear annihilation. Not an uncommon sentiment in these comments, by the way. These poor children. 
<laughs> I think they those sound were, good. Those were actual children singing that yeah. song, I'll have you know, unlike That Paul was McCartney. the Harlem Community Choir. Yeah, you hate, do, you, do you hate the Harlem Community Choir? Yeah. Do you hate Harlem? All right. Jack Darnell writes, I'm usually a Paul over John kind of Beatles fan, but wonderful Christmas time sounds like Google's algorithm after having a nuclear meltdown brought on by trillions of simultaneous Christmas themed searches. I can see it. I see it too. Yeah. It's interesting because you also are usually a Paul over a John guy. I usually am. Is it the, the synths just don't sound good. They just don't. It's an interesting sound and I like it more than I did when I started this uh, podcast, but uh, it's I'm, I'm ju- it's just on the right side of good, not like amazing or anything. All right. Gal Hazor writes, it's like, maybe it's because I'm not from a Christmassy country, but wonderful Christmas time always just sounded delightfully odd to me. Like someone accidentally spilled mold wine all over Craftworks keyboards. I love this imagery. Yeah. It's really, I think it, it kind of captures the song perfectly. Yeah. All right. One last one. Jeremy Hanna writes, Wonderful Christmas time is brave enough to ask the question, what if Christmas had lasers? That what sounds, do you mean, what if, Jeremy? Yeah, I was going to say, wait, your Christmas doesn't have lasers? Loser. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I, I guess you already peeked at the results, so you already knew this was not going to be the bloodbath we assumed it was. What did you think was going to win? Why? What I mean, I, th- I thought Happy Xmas was going to win in a landslide. That was my assumption. Right, I still, well, I still assume that it's going to uh, ended up pulling out in the end. But I think it was probably by pretty little. Here's the results for a total of three forty-seven to three thirteen. That's fifty-two point five percent to forty-seven point five percent. The winner is John. Happy Xmas. War is over. Period. Not even if you want. It's just over. It is. That sounds great. Does that? I mean, does, it, that's what the result of this poll mean, everybody. Yeah. War is yeah, over. War is we, o- we wanted it, and now it's over. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Happy fucking Christmas indeed. Oh, happy Christmas to you, too. All right. Thank you for listening. We have a Patreon. You want to donate some money? You can uh, <coughs> hear all our bonus episodes. Plus, you'll uh, support us. We need money. So... Poverty of us is over if you want it. Yeah, there you go. It's always $1. You get the entire backlog. And uh, we reviewed Dear Evan Hansen last month. And we've got so much more. We reviewed Cats way back when that dropped. If you want to know know what we think about various music movies, it's all there in the backlog. Go check it out. Or if you can't do that, just leave us a nice comment. Recommend us to your friends. Do stuff like that. Leave us a nice review. Next episode is going to be our last of the year. And just like every year, I choose at least one song from the year versus something else. Uh, This uh, last episode is going to be Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever versus Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You. The the angry breakers. Are are they both from this year? Yes, they are. Wow. I thought I was sitting there going like, I don't like, again, time is meaningless, but I was pretty sure (laughs) those were both 2021. Yep. Our first uh, twenty, the first time we are going to be both from this year, so that's, that's a big one. That's exciting, isn't it? I'm looking forward to it. I actually and, know these two artists, and uh, this uh, we may uh, have a we may uh, officially start a feud. Who knows? A stand feud. 
Yay! It's my I, favorite I'm, I'm, thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Billy and Olivia are on good terms, but I think we can set the fans against each other. Well, we're no not f- full on. We're going to turn Billy and Olivia against each other. We're going to start. We're going to start a big. I mean, like this is this is going to be the 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 Taylor Katy Perry 2.0. Well, you know, Billy we're make is this happen. Billy Eilish is, uh, you know, a Justin Bieber protege of a, of a kind. And uh, Olivia is a, always been a big Taylor Swift fan and Taylor and Bieber hate each other. I think we could uh, I think we could make this happen Let's if we started the right rumors. The yes. All right. Please vote in that. That's coming up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Merry Thank Christmas. So- oh, 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 God. Oh, this uh, this episode is over. If you want it. (laughs) 